Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is to create moments that change lives. We pray that these weekly messages will be a moment in your day that leads to a change in your life. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. At the movies, you guys, come on, who's excited? I am so pumped. I have been waiting for this series now for a year, man. My favorite series of the year. And man, what a year it has been since last year when we were doing At The Movies to now. How many would say lots has happened? Come on, right? And I think we all deserve to have a little bit of fun after all that we've been through over this last 11 months. And that is exactly what we are doing in this service. In this series, we're having a little bit of fun. So everybody nudge your neighbor. Just tell them you got to have some fun. Come on, tell them. We're having some fun, and what could be more fun than watching movies at church? Come on, eating popcorn. Come on, how many got your popcorn? Come on, right? I see some of y'all snacking on it. Nothing better than a sermon with some popcorn at the same time. And then we've got Thor, and we got Captain America, and Olaf, and the beautiful Belle out there for you to get your pictures with, and for the kids to meet and get pictures with. And I'm telling you, that's not all the fun. It's just begun. The fun has just started because we got a whole month of doing this together. We're giving away prizes. In fact, today at the end of the service, we are giving away a year's subscription to Disney Plus, you guys. And so, hey, we hope that you will win that. And if you already have Disney Plus, then you're paying for it, but you won't have to pay for it if you win it or you can give it away. Next week is Valentine's Day, actually falls on a Sunday. And so we're gonna be giving away a date night for a husband and a wife or significant other or whatever and next week we're going to talk about Mulan and me and Pastor Amber are going to preach this message tag team together I mean we are having fun in this series and yet it's not just about having fun it is fun with a purpose so everybody say fun with a purpose fun with a purpose that, yeah, we're going to watch some movies, but we're going to learn some deep truths about God and about what he wants to do in our lives. In fact, this is the way Jesus would often teach. I believe that if there were movies back in Jesus' day, he would have taught from movies because this is what he did. He took parables and he took stories to really relate important truths about God to them. And I believe this with all of my heart that God is working in everything and that we can learn about God from everything. Do you believe that? ride and that's what we're going to be doing in this series and also here's the deal it is a great opportunity for you to invite someone to church we're just trying to make it easy that's what this series is for an easy way for you to just invite someone just say hey come to church with us we're doing you know a movie and we got characters we got popcorn all that stuff in fact we have given everybody at your seat a ticket like this at the movies just so that this week you can invite someone to join us next Sunday. And obviously today we are talking about the Lion King. So how many like the Lion King? Come on, raise your hand all over the room. Let's put them down. Let's ask it like this. How many have seen the Lion King? Come on, if you've seen it, I think that's pretty much everyone. Now, little poll here. How many of you like maybe you're a little more old school and you're like, I kind of like the animated version better. Come on, raise your hand. All right. I like the animated. How many of you say, hey, I really like the new one that they like me too. Okay. Truth is, I really prefer the old animated version because that's the one I grew up on. But man, I got to tell you, I am impressed with what they 
did with the live action version. And I'm like, how'd they make that so real? And man, the cinematography is just gorgeous and it's beautiful. And man, there are so many incredible truths in this movie, The Lion King. And I think about the whole story arc and I think about Simba and I think about his dad, Mufasa. Say it again, Mufasa. You know what I'm saying? And I love it, you know, and, uh, you know, Simba is the son of the king, Mufasa, and Mufasa, like we know, we see it in the movie, he is a good king, he is a, a gentle king, he is kind, and he is wise, and he is incredibly powerful, but he's not going to be the king forever. Of course, he has a Simba, his son, who is in line to be the next king. Now, Simba, he's got a little bit of growing to do, okay? I mean, he's a good guy, he's a good boy, but man, he's got... A you know, a little bit of, uh, he's a little naive, maybe a little self-centered, maybe a little prideful. In fact, he gets humbled a couple of times by the hyenas. You might remember that story. And yet, even with all that growing that Simba had to do, like he had incredible potential that he could be something and someone great. And that's what we see in this scene. Check it out. Whatever the light touches is yours. You are the son of the king and the possibilities for you are incredibly endless. And that leads me to my first thought today. If you're taking notes, you might write it down. And that is this, that with God, all things are possible, that the possibilities are endless. If you are a child of the king, man, that is so powerful that if you are in this room today and you are a follower of Jesus, you know what that means? That means that you are a son or a daughter of the most high king. That means that he has incredible things for you, that the potential of your life is enormous of what God can do in you that with him nothing is impossible for you and for your life in fact it reminds me of another story an old testament story of abraham and how god spoke to abraham the bible says that he brought him out of the tent of the ceiling that he had over his life and he showed him the stars in the sky and he said my son look at all the stars in the sky kind of like mufasa saying look at everything that the light touches all the stars that are in the sky that is my inheritance that i want to give to you and every single one of you in this room today, can I tell you that God has an inheritance for you? God has incredible plans and purposes and potential that he wants to bring out in your life. In fact, the scripture says it like this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, one of my favorite passages of scripture that says, we are God's workmanship, that we were created in Christ Jesus to do the good works, to have incredible potential that he, he prepared in advance for every single one of us to do that everything that the light touches that if we are followers of Jesus that that we have incredible possibilities that God wants to do in our lives in fact it started out this way from the very beginning you remember the story in Genesis Adam and Eve God created the earth and he took Adam and Eve and he placed them in this beautiful garden. And you remember what he told them. He told them everything that is in the garden, it belongs to you. And here's what I want you to do is I want you to rule over the garden. I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply and I want you to fill the garden. And everything that is here, it's yours. It belongs to you. You can have it all. Just don't touch this one tree. Kind of like Mufasa said, just don't go over to where the shadows are. 
And it's not because God was trying to keep something from them. Actually, it was because God was trying to protect them in the same way that Mufasa was protecting his son. God was saying, everything that I have belongs to you, but this one thing could harm you. And so I don't want you to, I don't want you to touch it. But of course, we know what happens. The enemy comes in in the form of a serpent. And of course, he begins to lie to them. He begins to take what God has said and he begins to try to twist it a little bit. And he says, oh, did God really mean that? And basically, he begins to tell Adam and Eve, God's holding out on you. God's got something that he is keeping from you. And then we know absolutely what happens. They believe the lie of the enemy, just the same as many of us have so many times. And they ate of the fruit. And what happened immediately when they finished eating the fruit? The enemy began to heap guilt and shame upon them. He began to lie to them and tell them that God no longer loves them. And isn't this what the enemy of our soul wants to do? He comes, the Bible says, to steal and to kill and to destroy. And even though God has possibilities for our lives that are endless, the enemy wants to trip us up and then he wants to fill us with shame. This is exactly what happens in our story. You see, it wasn't just Mufasa, but Mufasa had a brother and his name was Scar. And of course, Scar was jealous of his brother Mufasa. He wanted to be king himself. And so he devised a plan to mess everything up, to kill Mufasa, to cause Simba to think it was his fault so that he would be out of the picture so that Scar could rise up and be king. And this is what we see. Check it out. Mufasa, quick! Stampede in the gorge! Simba's down there! Simba? I'll find him! Son, jump! 
Man, that scar, he's a bad dude. <laughs> and so is the enemy of your soul. The Bible says he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants to destroy your life and then make you think it's all your fault. In fact, that's what Scar did. Scar was the one who killed the king. He killed Mufasa, and yet he wanted, he wanted Simba to think that it was all on him. He wanted to place all of the blame and all of the guilt and all of the shame on him. And this is how the enemy of our soul works. The Bible says that he is a liar and the father of lives. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. And here's what he wants to do. He wants to accuse you. He wants to cause you to have guilt and shame and fear and insecurity. And he'll speak right into your mind and he'll say things like, you'll never be good enough. Oh, people don't love you. Like if they knew what you did, oh, they may love you now, but if they really knew you, they wouldn't, they wouldn't love you. Oh, and God, he really does know you. And how could he love you after the things that you did? He wants to tell you you're a failure. He wants to tell you you'll never measure up. He wants to tell you you don't have what it takes. He is constantly filling us with lies that lead to fear and insecurity and guilt and shame. It reminds me, of another story, another story of a prince and a king, a guy named Moses. You may remember Moses. Moses was the prince of Egypt. He was a Hebrew, born Hebrew, but raised as the adopted son of Pharaoh. And there he was in the palace. All of the possibilities were endless to him as the, as the adopted son of the Pharaoh. And yet he couldn't get past who he was and, and that he was a Hebrew. And so one day he saw the Egyptians were mistreating the Hebrew people who were slaves and the, the anger and the rage built up in Moses so much to the point that he lashed out and he killed one of those slaves. And immediately when he did, what did he feel? He felt the shame. He felt the guilt. And he began, he began to run and he began to hide. In fact, that's what shame causes us to do. Shame will cause us to run. This is exactly what happens in our story. We see that Simba feels that he's responsible for his father's death. And so what does he do? He runs from his responsibility. He runs from pride at rock. And isn't that the natural response that we have to shame? Shame and guilt, what does it do? Causes us to run, causes us to hide. That's what we see with Adam and Eve when, when they ate of the tree. Immediately they felt the guilt and the shame. And what does the Bible say that they did? The Bible says that they hid from God. We see it with Moses. As soon as he felt the shame, he ran to the wilderness to hide from who he really was. Maybe there are some of you that you're dealing with that right now. In fact, in your life, because of mistakes that you have made or because of mistakes that maybe others have made towards you and in your life, it has caused you to run from the very purposes that God has in store for your life, to run from your incredible, endless potential that God has in store for you. But here's what I gotta tell you today. Like, you can run from situations and you can run from people, and you can run from insecurities and fears, and you can run from your guilt and your shame. But let me just tell you something, you can't run from God. God is always there with you, even in the middle of it. Even as, even as uh, Adam and Eve, they ran and they hid from God, we hear the story in Genesis that what happened? God came to look for them. 
Because God never stops coming to us. He never stops chasing us. He never gives up on us. He never stops wanting to have relationship with us. With Moses, when he ran into the wilderness, what happened? He encountered God there in a burning bush because you can't outrun who you are. You can't outrun the purposes that God has for your life. And God will continually search after you and come after you to draw you back into relationship with him. He loves you that much. Reminds me of another story of a father and a son. Actually, this father had two sons. One of his sons, his youngest son, comes to him and says, Dad, I don't want to live here anymore. I don't want to live under your rules. I want my inheritance, and I want it now. Now, you can imagine what the father must have felt about that. I'm sure it broke his heart. It would be a lot like Simba coming to Mufasa and saying, I just can't wait to be king. Come on, y'all see what I did there? That was, the first service laughed more at that. So you guys got to help me out. But can you imagine that? Dads, can you imagine your son saying, I don't, basically saying, I I don't even want you to be alive because I just want my stuff and I want it now. And his son, he takes the, the money that the father so lovingly, heart being broken, but lovingly gives to him. He takes it and he wastes it. He squanders it on parties and on booze and on women and everything is good until until all the money is gone and then when the money is gone what happens the friends are gone the parties are gone and suddenly the bible says that this son finds himself in the middle of a pit with the pigs looking at what the pigs are eating and saying, if I just had, if I just had some of that to fill my stomach, I, I, it would be better than what I'm going through right now. Until the Bible says all of a sudden, something happened. The Bible uses this phrase that the son came to his senses. That he realized, I've been running from who I am, trying to fill my life with all these things that I thought would fulfill me. And they left, they, they left me here in this pit. And he realized that the father still loved him, that the father had never stopped loving him. And he says, if I could just go back to the father's house, maybe I could even just be a servant in the father's house. And he comes to his senses, he comes to a realization and remembers who he is. He picks himself up and he begins to make his way back to the father. And this is exactly what happens in the story of the Lion King. Here's Simba. He thinks it's all his fault and so filled with guilt and shame. What does he do? He runs from who he is. He runs from his responsibilities as the next king. But really more than that, he's running from his identity of of who he is and whose he is until a moment in time, a prodigal son type moment when suddenly everything changes, when suddenly he is drawn back to remember to remember who he is. Check it out. I love that part. Because here he is, he's so confused with who he is. He's like, I don't, even, I don't even know who I am. And suddenly, as he looks into that water, there's this realization, there's this memory of who I am and whose I am. In fact, in the animated version, he says, Rafiki says to him, remember who you are. You remember that part, right? And here's the deal. There are many of you that are sitting in this room right now and you're confused. 
You're messed up by what has happened to you or the things that you have done, the mistakes that you have made or the mistakes that others have made into your life. You don't even know who you are anymore and you need a moment right now. In fact, this is what I have been praying all this week, that this moment right now, there would be a realization that the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to hearts and begin to nudge you and you would have one of those clarity moments where you just begin to see yourself the way that God sees you and that you would remember that you are not what happened to you and you are not what you have done. You are who God says you are. You are a child. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a child of the King today and he has possibilities that are perfect for you. And nothing that you have done and nothing that anybody else has done to you will nullify the purposes of God for your life. The scripture says it like this in Romans chapter 12. I love it. It's so powerful that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. You know what that means? That means that no matter what has happened, then God still has plans and purposes for you. No matter what you have done, if you'll just come back to him, like he hasn't nullified the plans. In fact, he might just take the plans and he might just take all the stuff that has happened in the middle of it and actually work it for good in those plans. He might actually use it to build you and make you stronger. He might take some of the setbacks in your life and actually use them to set you up for the great things that he has for you. The scripture says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28 that we know this, that in all things, all the things, good things, bad things, all the ugly things, all the mistakes, all the failures, all the things that people have said and done to you, in all those things, God is using them and working them together for your good. It's not too late for you. Man, the possibilities with God, they are endless. But man, our sin and our shame causes us to run from those purposes. But here's what you got to know. God's purposes are worth fighting for. So here's the deal. God has purpose for you, but it ain't going to be easy. Everybody nudge your neighbor and tell them it ain't going to be easy. It won't be easy. You know what it'll be? It'll be a fight. Scripture says it like this, that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're, we're fighting a spiritual battle, that there is an enemy of our soul that is constantly trying to keep us from from experiencing the potential and the purposes that God has for our lives. And so in order to receive it, we're going to have to go to battle. We're going to have to fight. And this is exactly what Simba discovers in in the movie is that, hey, I wish that it could just be, hey, I, I remembered who I am. Now I go back and I can stand on Pride Rock and be the king. But that's not what happened. He had to go back. And he had to face his past. Remember that? He had to face some of his own, some of his own mistakes, some of his own fear. He had to face Scar in a fight. But you know what? The real fight was not just the fight physically with Scar. It was the fight with the scars on the inside of him that he had to face. But in the end, he realized it was worth fighting for. Check it out. And why is it so intense? I think it's because it's real. It's not real, it's an animated movie, but you know what, it's real in your life. Every one of us are facing a battle. It's a fight and the enemy wants to come against us time and time and time and time again. Some of you are worn out and you're tired from the fight, but here's what I want you to know, you're not fighting alone. 
You don't have to face the scars alone. You don't have to face the fears alone. You don't have to face the battle alone that God is fighting for you in the heavenly realms right now, that there is a pastor and that there is a church body that is fighting alongside of you and we want you to win. And if you just, man, if you just keep fighting and if you just don't quit and if you just don't give up in the end, there will be a victory for you. In fact, it reminds me of one of my favorite scriptures of all time in Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not get weary in doing good for at the proper time we will what? We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And there are some of you that are sitting in those seats today and some of you that are watching online that you are on the brink of giving up. And here's what I'm telling you today. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give in. If you just keep fighting, if you just keep working, if you just keep trusting in the end, you may not see it right now, but in the end, there is a victory that is coming. If you just don't give up because you're not fighting it alone man he is in you and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world possibilities with God they're endless but boy our sin our mistakes the sin and the mistakes of others they bring shame and guilt and fear and insecurity and cause us to run from the purposes that God has for us. But God has never given up on us. He's constantly by his spirit drawing us back to him. And even in this moment right now, some of you are having that moment of realization, coming to your senses and realizing the life I've been living has just been running from the purposes that God has in me. But God still loves me and he's never given up on me and his gifts and callings and purposes in my life are without repentance and so I'm going to turn and I'm going to run and it may be a fight but I'm going to face the fight I'm going to face the scars I'm going to face the guilt I'm going to face the shame and I'm going to keep going until God brings the victory in my life I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me all over this room today maybe there's some of you right now that's the struggle man you're feeling this tension in this pool. Maybe you are even like, like Simba that you have tried to run away from that pool. Constantly, people in your life, circumstances in your life, songs you hear on the radio, things that are constantly pulling at you to try to bring you back saying, and what it is, is God's spirit saying, just come back to me. I love you. Like I have, still have great plans for you but you've been trying to ignore it. You've been trying to run from it, just like the prodigal son who, who ran from it. But right now you're gonna have a moment. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna come to a place of realization. Realization is that, man, I may think that I've messed it up and the lies of the enemy may tell me that I'm too far gone, but the love of Jesus is drawing me back into relationship with him. That is not too late. Some of you are here and you're filled with guilt and shame because you've been trying to measure up. You, you've been thinking, I can't go back to God because I can't measure up. I can't, I can't live perfect. I can't do it right. I'm too messed up. I can't ever, I can't ever get good enough for God to, to love me and to accept me. And here's the truth, guys, like on our own, we can't be good enough. We all sin, fall short, the glory of God. And the, per, the payment 
the penalty of sin is we deserve to die. But God loves us so much. Oh, guys, God, he loves us so much that he's constantly drawing us back. And all we got to do is remember. Remember. Remember his love. All you got to do is surrender. You can never be good enough, but he was good enough. And he died on a cross, a perfect sacrifice to take our place. And now all we have to do accept it, receive it.